Good morning, everyone, and thank you for coming to my bar mitzvah. In the tradition of the people who our God chose as his blessed nation, I am humbled to say that today I have become a man, and it is with deep humility, humility that I accept my role as an adult member of our community. The name of my Torah portion is Vayera, and it means, and I appeared. It takes 222 lines in the Torah scroll. There are 121 verses, 1,748 words, and 6,701 letters. There are no positive or negative mitzvot in this portion. Vayera begins with God appearing to Moshe and telling him to go to Egypt, to tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. Moshe responds by telling God he can't go to Pharaoh because he is unskilled in speech. The Torah then tells Moshe his genealogy and finishes the chapter by repeating that Moshe told God that he was unskilled in speech. God tells Moshe that he will make Moshe as God before Pharaoh and that Aharon will speak for Moshe. God tells Moshe that he will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he may perform his signs and wonders in the land of Mitzrayim. Moshe and Aharon go to Mitzrayim and tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. Pharaoh tells them to show him a miracle, and Aharon throws down his staff, which turns into a serpent. Pharaoh's magicians do the same, however, Aharon's, uh, Pharaoh's magicians do the same, however, Aharon's serpent swallows the other serpents. And Pharaoh hardens his heart, just as God had said. God tells Moshe to tell Aharon to stretch out his staff over the Nile. Moshe and Aharon do what God told them to do, and all the water in Mitzrayim turns to blood for one week except the Israelites' water does not turn to blood. The magicians are able to create more blood, and again Pharaoh hardens his heart. Aharon stretches his staff over the waters of Mitzrayim, and frogs come up out of the waters of Mitzrayim, and the frogs swarm over Mitzrayim. The magicians of Mitzrayim replicate the plague and bring more frogs out of the Nile, and once again Pharaoh hardens his heart. Aharon strikes the dust of Mitzrayim with his staff, and the dust turns to lice. The magicians of Mitzrayim try to replicate the plague, but fail. Again, Pharaoh hardens his heart. God sends forth a plague of wild beasts upon, onto, into the land of Mitzrayim, and once again, Pharaoh hardens his heart. God sends forth a plague and kills all livestock in Mitzrayim, and Pharaoh hardens his heart yet again. Moshe and Aharon throw two handfuls of soot from the kiln heavenward, and the soot breaks out and boils over Mitzrayim. This time, however, God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Moshe stretches his hand heavenward, and God rains down hail consisting of chunks of hail with fire trapped inside the hail. Pharaoh admits he has sinned and says he will let the people of Israel go if God ends the hail. However, when God ends the hail, Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and he does not let the people of Israel go. The story of the plagues is a well-known one. We hear it every year in this and the next Torah portion, and again at Pesach. God sends Moshe to tell Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. Pharaoh doesn't let the children of Israel go, so God sends ten plagues. After each plague, Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and he does not let the children of Israel go. Typically, it is thought that Pharaoh is just stubborn. However, if we look closely at the Torah, it seems that sometimes Pharaoh is willing to let the children of Israel go, but God hardens Pharaoh's heart, thus preventing Pharaoh from releasing the Hebrews. God even says that he will harden Pharaoh's heart in Exodus 7.3. This raises the question, was God taking away Pharaoh's choice in the matter and punishing the Egyptians for it? To answer this question, we have to look at the Hebrew text. In the Hebrew, there are two different words used to describe the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. The generic English translation in the Bible of, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, completely covers up the difference between the two Hebrew words. However, in the Chumash, the text is translated as it is. 
The two words used are Chatzeh Chayav, which comes from the Hebrew Chazach, meaning strong, as opposed to the word Dav Chayav, which comes from the Hebrew root Kaved, meaning heavy. One of the first things you will notice is that one word has a positive meaning and one has a negative meaning. Having a strong heart would imply having a courageous heart or a determined heart. A heavy heart would imply having a stubborn heart. Now, if you look, now if you look back at the text, you will notice that there is not only a difference in the words used, but also a difference in who is doing what. Typically, Pharaoh is the one making his heart kaved, or the one making his heart heavy, or stubborn, while God is the one making his heart chazak, or strong. There was only one time in the entire portion of Vayera where God directly acts on Pharaoh's heart. In Exodus 9.12, it says, which according to the Hebrew translation states that God is strengthening Pharaoh's heart. God never hardened Pharaoh's heart in the manner of stubbornness. God only strengthened Pharaoh's heart. The answer to our original question, whether God took away Pharaoh's free will, is that God did not take away Pharaoh's free will. If anything, by strengthening Pharaoh's heart, God is increasing Pharaoh's free will. By giving courage and determination to Pharaoh when he is ready to give up, God is giving strength in order for Pharaoh to fulfill his vision, which ironically is defying God. But why would God be doing this? To answer that question, we will need to look at God's original reason for sending the plagues. In Exodus 7:4, God says, I will bring forth my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Mithraim by great judgments. Seems pretty straightforward. God is going to free the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, but that is not all. This goal seems to have another reason intertwined within it. In the next verse, God also says, And the Egyptians shall know that I am Adonai. Have you ever wondered why God really needed the plagues at all to free the children of Israel? He could have freed the children of Israel by freezing the Egyptians or teleporting them all to the land of Canaan. God is using the plagues to teach the Egyptians that he is in fact the one and only God, in control of everything on earth. Yes, teleporting them would have been quicker and more dramatic, but what would that have accomplished? Egypt would have just attributed it to a fancy magic trick. God had to show them something they would never forget. In those days, Egypt was the center of the world, the wealthiest, most technologically, and socially advanced country in the world. It was a country that was following a devoted polytheistic faith, multiple gods ruling, multiple gods ruling all of nature, ending with Pharaoh being a god himself. In the Egyptians' view, no one god held control over all the forces in nature. That god could only exist if there was only one sole god, a creator of all in the universe. From Egypt's viewpoint, that God simply did not exist. Ever so deliberately, the ten plagues revealed that God was the master of the universe, having all of the forces of nature at his disposal. Pharaoh and the Egyptians needed to understand this. This is God's reason for sending the plagues, for the Egyptians and the whole world to know that God is in control of all in the world. It turns out Pharaoh realizes the truth later on. After the seventh plague, the plague of hail, in Exodus 9.27, Pharaoh says, I have sinned this time. Adonai is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. This time Pharaoh acknowledges what he. This time Pharaoh acknowledges that he has sinned. Now Pharaoh finally gets it, understanding what God has been trying to teach him all along. But what makes Pharaoh get the message this time? What was so special about this plague, the seventh plague, that finally caused Pharaoh to realize the truth? 
The seventh plague was, of course, the plague of hail. But not just any hail, but hail consists but hail consisting of chunks of ice with fire burning inside. Keep in mind that we're in Egypt right now. Egypt is, of course, a desert. It's not every day that you see hail raining down in a desert. If it was just hail raining down, Pharaoh could blame it on the god of ice. If it was just fire, Pharaoh could blame it on the god of fire. But a combination of ice and fire is not possible. Only the god of all things, a creator of all, only the god of all things, the creator of all things, can do that. When Pharaoh finally sees, when Pharaoh sees the combination, he finally comes to his senses and realizes that the God of the Hebrews is the only God in the universe. But this still doesn't answer our earlier question of why did God strengthen Pharaoh's heart just so Pharaoh could defy him? The answer to that question lies in the effect of the sixth plague, the plague of boils on Pharaoh's magicians. In Exodus 9, 11, 12, it says, The magicians could not stand before Moshe because of the boils, for the boils were upon the magicians and upon all of Egypt. And Adonai hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them, as Adonai had spoken to Moshe. In these verses, Pharaoh give, God gives Pharaoh strength to continue fighting. If God hadn't given Pharaoh strength at this moment, he would have given up. Pharaoh would have given up, but for the wrong reasons. You see, the magicians were Egyptian sorcerers who served as Pharaoh's spiritual advisors. When Moshe and Aharon arrived in the land of Mitzrayim, the magicians were able to counter everything they did. However, as the plagues continue, the magicians' power begins to decline, until finally, when the plague of lice strikes, the magicians can do nothing but watch. And they tell Pharaoh, this is the finger of God at play. However, Pharaoh hardens his heart and becomes stubborn, able to resist the plagues until now. During the plague of boils, the magicians can't even stand before Moshe and Aharon, and Pharaoh loses his soldiers in his battle against God. At that point in time, Pharaoh has not yet accepted that God is the one true God. He's just given up out of lack of strength. But God doesn't want Pharaoh to surrender because he just gave up. God wants Pharaoh's beliefs to be transformed. He wants Pharaoh to realize that he is the only God in heaven and on earth. God doesn't want to beat into submission the people who don't believe in him. God wants people to realize the truth on their own and then shape their lives around that truth. At this moment when Pharaoh loses strength, God intervenes, giving Pharaoh strength to continue fighting until the day when he will come to his senses and realize that God is the one and only creator God. God will never harden our hearts. God will only strengthen our hearts, just as he did with Pharaoh's heart. God does this with the intent in his mind that we will make the right decisions in our life. A common thought is that God could have stopped Eve from ever eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. While that is very true, that was a prime example of God allowing us to keep our free will. We should embrace the fact that God does indeed allow us to keep our free will in our everyday lives, but not lose sight of the reason God allows us to keep our free will. God allows us to keep our free will because he is our creator and he loves us. Even when you make a wrong decision in your life, God will not intervene and set things right, even if your decision takes you down the wrong path. However, when that happens, we can be encouraged by the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Rome, who he reminded that God causes all things to work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So even when we act in ways not in accordance with the Torah, with his Torah, we can repent, and God will strengthen us if we humbly submit to him. But, of course, it is best if we always act in obedience to the God's Torah, which is my desire, and is what I will endeavor to do from this day forward as a bar mitzvah. 
In conclusion, I would like to thank Mr. Spurlock and Mr. Squidrini for creating the Bellator community, allowing me to pursue this quest in my life. I would like to thank Mrs. Traficanti and Mrs. Joshua Spurlock for teaching me Hebrew. I would also like to say a special thanks to Mrs. Todd Jones, or Esther, who is currently serving with her family at Wycliffe in Cameroon, Africa. She transliterated and sent me the resources used to help me read my Aliyah in Korean. I would like to thank Mom and Opera for encouraging me and helping me prepare for my bar mitzvah. Thank you also to Mrs. Gregory Bartos for helping with the administrative details and setting up the event on Meetup. Thank you to all of my extended family members for coming to this event. And finally, thank you to all of you for coming to my bar mitzvah. It means a lot to me to know that you would use your time to attend this event. Thank you. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has granted us life, sustained us, and has ever blessed to reach this occasion. Micah, like very nicely done with your drosh and with your chanting, including your reading in the, Hebrew, in the Korean. Mom and I are very proud of you for all you've done to put into preparing for this day. Today, Micah, is about your accepting the responsibility of the Torah and God's commandments as to how he wants us to live. But you won't be on your own. You'll always have the love and support of mom and me. Your brothers and sister, your extended family, and your community. As you mature, you'll continue to depend on all of us for help and guidance. What changes today is that now we will begin to depend on you as well as an adult member of the community. For mom and me, today is about trust in God. We're no longer responsible for your actions. We trust that you will consistently use the things we've taught you and the character we've encouraged you to develop. And most of all, the Torah serving as our authority to guide our life decisions, to guide your decisions and actions. You'll have many decisions throughout your life and at times unexpected events will happen that will challenge your judgment and your decisions. Other people will also question your actions, your lifestyle, and the decisions that you make, and the stands that you take. Mom and I will always be here for you when you need us. Your family and friends are here for you too. We'll continue to help and encourage, teach and train you in the paths of righteousness, and we'll hold you accountable for the, de the decisions you make. And if you're faithful to use the principles God's given us in his Torah to guide your actions and your decisions, we can be confident that just as Shaul told those in the assembly at Philippi, he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Messiah Yeshua. Micah, I'm amazed at how you've grown as a person. Receiving you in souls was one of the highlights of my life. We brought you home, and at that point, we became a family of six. You completed our family. And today, nearly 13 years later, I find myself looking at a young man who's proclaiming his desire to live in accordance with God's commands. 
I love you more than you'll know. And I hope and pray that someday you will, by experience with your own sons and daughters, understand the love I have for you in my heart. So, Micah, how can I summarize my love for you? Perhaps there's no better summary than what Moshe gave to the mixed multitude in Devarim 31. Be strong and courageous. Be strong in your convictions built on the principles in the Torah. Be courageous and willing to stand alone when your position is contrary to that of others, but where your convictions and understanding of God's word tells you that you're right. Sometimes that'll put you in the minority, and you may even be made fun of, mocked, and despised, which is what Yeshua told his Talmudim that they could expect as his followers. And when you're outside of our community and happen to find yourself going along with the majority, and especially if you feel good about that, I hope you'll think twice. But I also want you to keep in mind that a stubborn courage can easily cross over into arrogance. Let your courage be tempered and refined by humility, and always strive to have a teachable spirit and a willingness to learn from others who you respect. Moshe didn't give the people this exhortation without a reminder and a promise. He reminded them that they would be able to be strong and courageous because Adonai would be with them, and that Adonai would not fail them or forsake them. The same is true for you. Adonai is with you, and he will never fail you or forsake you. He's given you his word, the Torah, which is his written word, for which you are today accepting responsibility. So be diligent to study it so that you're always prepared to correctly apply God's principles to life situations as they arise. And he has given you Messiah Yeshua, which is the living word, and the apostolic scriptures, which give us examples through Yeshua's words and actions of how to live a life of obedience and righteousness and a blessing to others. And in doing so, you'll be a blessing to mom and to me and to others and ultimately to God. Remember that what God really requires from you is your just actions, living obediently to his commandments. It's about your deeds. The prophet Malachi tells us that what God requires us can be boiled down to three things. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In other words, to emulate the character of Yeshua, who lived a life of complete obedience to the Torah. It guided his words and actions, and likewise, it is your guide to making right, wise decisions, and it equips you to do just exactly that. I also want to encourage you with some words from the Apostle Shaul. In his first letter to the assembly at Corinth, Shaul made a point of em emphasizing the importance of having love for each other. And in that regard, he said, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, and reason as a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. In context, Shaul indicated that in the transition from a child to an adult, there should also be a transition from a mindset of putting oneself first to a mindset of putting others first, thereby demonstrating love. Micah, by accepting responsibility of the Torah today and becoming recognized as an adult member of our community, it is an important transition for you to demonstrate as well. Micah, I cannot adequately put into words the joy that you bring to mom and me. From the very first day when we met you in Seoul, in Seoul at your foster mother's home, and on this day, Mom and I would like to bless you, our third son, who is a source of so many blessings for us. Micah, on this day of your becoming a bar mitzvah, when you have reached this point, the point of spiritual accountability, and when you have declared that you're ready to accept responsibility 
for your own actions and to obey the commandments of God, we feel you're ready to take on the challenge of adulthood. May your strength lead you to a life where you have the courage to make wise decisions, even when they may not be popular with others, and where you exercise good judgment and do what you believe is the right thing based on your understanding of the Torah. May you exhibit compassion, generosity, and love for others. May your kindness to all lead you to a life filled with loving friends and family. May your common sense and wisdom from Torah study lead you to a life filled with well-thought-out decisions. May your intelligence and diligence lead you to a career that you are passionate about. May your study of Torah lead to a life of Torah observance and a continuation of that halakha, that faith walk, to your children and your children's children. Our prayer for you today is for a long life filled with peace, health, happiness, and purpose, surrounded by family, friends, and community. Be kind, generous, humble, and true always. Pursue righteousness with tenacity, tempered with humility. May you one day be blessed by seeing your children's children become bar and bat mitzvahs. May you be blessed with patience and understanding, with wisdom and compassion in your heart and mind. May your deeds support righteousness and your goodness serve as an example to others. May your enthusiasm for learning continue throughout your life and bring you, to, bring you great personal joy and fulfillment. May your family and friends throughout your life who love and appreciate you for who you are, who honor your values, and who are there for you when you need them. May you help create home and community wherever you go. May your life purpose to know God and to make him known also guide your thoughts and actions always. May you constantly rededicate yourself to God and may God continually bestow blessings upon you. We wish for you the words we sing in our Shabbat morning service, morning prayers. Sim shalom, tova uvacha. May God give peace, goodness, and blessing. Mike, I pray that you would embrace a strong desire to be like that righteous man who is described in Psalm chapter 1. How blessed are those who reject the advice of the wicked, who don't stand on the way of sinners or sit where scoffers sit. Their delight is in Adonai's Torah, and on his Torah they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams. They bear their fruit in season. Their leaves never wither. Everything they do succeeds. Not so the wicked, who are like chaff, driven by the wind. For this reason, the wicked won't stand up to the judgment, nor will sinners at the gathering of the righteous. For Adonai watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked is doomed. Micah, thank you for being one of the four bright lights in our lives. You bring us a tremendous amount of joy, and Mom and I love you more than we can express. Baruch Sheptarani Meonesh Halazeh. Micah, keep close to your heart, reverence for God and love for his Torah. As it is said in the Eschayim that we prayed this morning from the Proverbs, Hine, you have been given a good teaching. Do not forsake my Torah. It is a tree of life to those who hold it fast and all who cling to it find happiness. Its ways are ways of pleasantness and all its paths are peace. Micah, let me pray for you. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to come together with family and friends to celebrate this Shabbat when our son has been called to the Torah as a bar mitzvah. We gratefully thank you for the joyous privilege of seeing our son grow day by day, day by day, week by week, and year by year. We're very thankful for the 13 years that have come and gone to the point of attaining this milestone, and we ask that you would bless our hope for the years that are yet to come for the health and strength you've given him, for the mind and spirit with which you've blessed him, and for his ability to elicit and return love 
for all these precious gifts. We thank you. Father, we ask that you would bless our son. Watch over, protect, and guide him. Help him to continue to grow in body and mind and in the character of Yeshua. Keep him faithful to the teachings of your Torah. Bless him with a rich and rewarding life of service and blessing to others. Help us to set a worthy example for Micah that we always, and may we always have strength to give him the support and wisdom that he needs from us. May the teachings of your Torah guide him throughout his life, and may he lead a life that finds favor in the eyes of others, is worthy of your blessings, and brings glory to your name. And now, Micah, I'd like to close this blessing by, giving, by blessing you with the words that God gave Moshe that he said would bring a blessing upon his people. Yevarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha Yair Adonai panadelecha v'chunenka Yesadonai panadelecha v'yasem lecha Shalom And all God's people said, Amen.